Everyone, welcome to the Bumbleberry Artist Spotlight. This is a weekly podcast where we interview artists about their life and their NFT projects. Tonight, we have Lynn Mosqueda. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And Danny Mason from Avante Productions. And we're excited to talk with them about Film 3 and the exciting things that they have going on in that area and in their NFT projects. So without further ado, uh, Lynn and Danny, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? All right. So, Lynn Mosqueda. Danny Mason. And Avante Productions is essentially the two of us. Yes. Keep going. Me? Oh, yeah. okay. So, we are an entertainment company, right? So, we do TV and film mostly. That's... Yeah, TV and film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're doing good with that. Yes, yes. <laughs> Not awkward at all. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah, so we've been doing it for about two years now. And... Three. Is it three? Is yeah. it not three already? Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, because it came out of uh, the lockdown situation when we couldn't shoot or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have Into the Veil on there, uh, our paranormal comedy series, Desert Terror, as well, too. Um, and then at the end of the show, we'll have another announcement and another big project, a story I've been working on for over four years now. First Moon, was, which is our uh, Western horror Dealing about true events that took place in Central Texas about skimwalkers. So interesting. Kind of a, yeah. Yeah. Right. So we can do a little bit of that, but yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So we've got a, we've got a lot to talk about. That's for sure. Yes. Let's just jump right into yeah. it. You said that you got started three years ago in Film Three. So let's kind of take it back to that and tell us how you got started into Film Three and what that looked like for you. Well, okay, so we'll back up a little bit because we started Abonte Productions three years ago, not yep. necessarily film three, okay. three years ago. Gotcha. And Danny and I have been in entertainment. So I grew up um, as a performer, a singer and a dancer. And then I got out of entertainment and then went into doing like theater, things like that, went back into dancing. But Danny's been in film for over a decade. Now. Yeah. So I've been doing it for, yeah, over a decade. Uh, earned my chops at Minneapolis, Chicago area. And between acting, mostly focused on acting, but then getting into fight choreography and stunts as well, too. So in between, I would also work with uh, actor workshops and train actors in that for fight choreography and weapons training as well, too. Um, so, yeah, yeah. The, the reason why we started the company three years ago was because we wanted to branch out on our own. Um, with COVID hitting, productions uh, were stopping everywhere. No one knew what to do. Danny had an amazing idea, which is Into the Veil. And we decided, well, we'll just do this on our own because no one else could figure out what to do. So we wanted to find our own way. Yeah. So during that process, I was uh, falling out of another company at that time, kind of in distraught state of figuring out what the next move was going to be. And after lots of discussion, moving into it, well, what can we do that's simplistic that's uh, dealing with an... um, when production started kind of coming back up to speed, COVID regulations on set, but simplistic, easy for a quick turnaround, something that, and also that we could self-finance as well, too. Right. So. And so how we ended up in film three was, so we have been longtime apes as well, right? Yes. And okay. following everything going on uh, in Reddit, especially Super Stonk. And there was one day uh, where I saw a post on there about needing help with the Ape News Network that somebody wanted to start. And so I was like, okay, well, I have a lot of experience kind of all over the place. And I initially applied to be just a voice actor. And I was Jackie Tetas for the Ape News Network. And throughout that process and getting more into it and then like researching with GameStop and then the speculation of the marketplace, then, you know, we all found out that GameStop was actually launching a marketplace and it was opening applications to creators. And so Danny and I had the conversation of what if we just go for it? What if we take our project and go all in? Yeah. So we did. Well, I kind of believe it was more of you saying we should do this. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what this is. So you kind of explain that a little bit more. Right. It's like, yeah. just trust me, bro. You kind of echo a lot of, the, of what we've been hearing from other artists in this community is, you know, a lot of people came over from GameStop. A lot of people were spurred to make NFTs for the first time when they announced the uh, the development of, of the GameStop NFT marketplace. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like there's a majority of the community that had not 
minted NFTs prior to this. And that's the same for you guys. You hadn't minted anything prior to the Loopring not marketplace or the Loopring blockchain, right? No, we were no. not on Loopring. I it was pretty much all new. Yeah. Right? This whole it, it was. thing is brand new. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it's still it still is pretty much. I mean, we don't even have smart contracts on the blockchain yet. So yeah, we're I would say that we're still really early, but Oh yeah, we are most certainly, and this can mm -hmm. open up a great discussion because in the in the advent of us uh, onboarding into Web three and really getting into the blockchain, it really started creating a um, new situation of decentralization for filmmakers, but most most importantly, is empowering them for their own creative control. So. And this kind of falls into a lot of people don't see the backside of the entertainment world and really how nasty and ugly it is, where most creators and artists don't um, don't retain their artistic value or the ability for their rights. It's kind of like the whole saying, selling your soul to the devil. There's a lot of truth behind that, too, if you want to get up to the upper echelon, where there's a lot of compromising your own creative or artistic integrity or the pecking order. But once we quickly start onboarding in this, this opened up a whole door of the ability of filmmakers of really kind of showcasing what they could actually do within the ability of getting away from what has been presented to us as filmmakers as the model, which is not. It's a model that as the studios have kind of created, and that's just been kind of pushed downstream to independent films. And when we say independent films, that is more in the budgets between three to 15 million dollars those are considered right. by unions for independent and whatnot so it has been a whole slew of uh brainstorming in our i would say our alchemy lab yeah. of what we want to do and how to begin to capitalize but also begin to educate uh as well too as we're in the process so. yeah because i mean even even to this day it i'm actually amazed that we're still the only ones that have completed projects out there, which just kind of blows my mind. Well, that brings up a good point because we were self-financing and we were literally talking about this today about this. And we can get a little bit further if this comes up again, but we won't see a big push by the independent two studios because there's so much on the line mm -hmm. or actually and there's a whole lot income. of and there's a whole lot of middlemen involved yeah, yeah. right so mm -hmm. the whole aspect of recouping income but for us we you know we put money where about that yeah with this um, and self-finance we pretty much do it with like our projects as of right now mm -hmm. yeah we have self-financed everything we've worked on yeah we have Wow. Yes, it was. Yeah, first move will be what we hope is to begin to bring the normies on the film side. When we talk to our uh, talk to our director and our producer, they are completely unaware of what this NFT and blockchain and smart contracts, right? What it can need to. So we, our company, looks at is it a good possibility of beginning to open up that door and really kind of showcasing the uh, normies to what we can actually do and the possibilities of that and more interaction and more intimacy with like the fan base on that as well mm -hmm. too, make it more special experience for films and entertainment in general. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's really exciting what you guys are doing. I mean, you know, you're sort of pioneering the new way of producing film and TV. And I think, you know, in the future, it's just gonna, you know, it's just gonna be even bigger and bigger from here with regard to that. What would you say were some of the things that drove you away from like sort of the normal way of doing business in Hollywood or or whatever you'd want to call it, um, you know, video production, TV production, that sort of environment? Absolutely. Uh, the bullshit politics, 100 percent, because there is there's a real thing about the pecking order. That is a real thing. And most importantly, it's really hard in today's age for indie filmmakers to be seen like the whole aspect of creating an indie film, going to Sundance, getting discovered at larger distributing companies like, hey, we love this. We're going to distribute this. But guess what? This is you pretty much have to give up almost 60 percent of your IP or mm -hmm. your intellectual property on that. And then <laughs> and that's even just before you get into like sales reps, the marketing, paying back managers, producers, agents, managers. Yep. studios, production companies, like everybody that's involved. But not only that, I mean, Danny touched on it a second ago. The other part is creative control, yeah. um, it, right? That IP that you have to give up. And what happens a lot, especially to the little guys, is you have an idea, you try to execute your idea, you write your scripts or whatever it is, and you push it forward. And someone's like, oh my God, it's great. I love it. I'm going to buy it, cut you out, change the story and move forward. And it's like, wait, well, what just happened? 
And that's part of what makes film three beautiful is not having to go through all of that. But it's also incredibly difficult because we are so early. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting being a uh, entertainment production company within the same category as, as incredibly talented NFT artists on the same time, because it, we're trying to adhere to the same kind of playing the same sandbox, but it's hard because they kind of, we need to begin to kind of separate those aspects into it and begin mm -hmm. to look at it in a kind of a different insight as well too, which brings up an interesting, cause we had that discussion. So one of my best friends of 20 years, we went to film school, but he's now our entertainment lawyer, mm -hmm. had a great discussion about smart contracts because what's not being discussed is really of uh, the contracts for residuals, percentages for IP. None of that's being discussed within entertainment or people, filmmakers being educated on. And so we're running to new problems that nobody knows about, but nobody has solutions about that we are bringing up. So it's like the real time situation, knowing the fact that whatever we do to begin to lay down, people will look at that as, as a example, not the example onto it. So it's also our duty and responsibility to have that in our conscious as we are also creating this on the same time. But one of our things we really want to start doing is beginning to educate people, filmmakers, I mean, that's even going to like aspects of like speaking at universities, but also film festivals and really making it aware to the normies of what's really going on and how this change is going to happen before, let's say, the studios finally figure out how to crack it. And they will. It's a matter of time when they will. And then they begin to dictate how this begins to happen, which destroys the whole caveat of what we're trying to do at the same time. So, you know, you're looking at the possibility of smaller productions maybe more hyper-focused genres, but the reward on it, and which we absolutely love and as a storyteller, is the absolute interaction with the fans and the possibility of the fans also putting their input on how like a, a show goes. Like Into the Veil is a great example. Yeah, because like with Into the Veil, what, we want to make it uh, bigger than what it currently is, yeah. right? With the three episodes that are out there, is we want serious community involvement where if the community wants to help write the next episode, they can, you know, things like that. Your input or ideas that we mm -hmm. present to them as well, too. So it's a, it's incredible opportunity. And then ultimately it's getting to a point where, you know, I, as a kid, I always loved reading, choose your own adventures and your decision in that process will determine the outcome of the story. And you know, down in my, in my mind in the next, like, Quickly, it could be five years, but I could be kind of overshooting it where you can have that VR augmented reality experience. Oh, where yeah, because like, I would love to be we, able to, to bring people on set with us, right? Like virtually yeah. and stuff like that. Too. Yeah, but most importantly is as a viewer, right? You're experiencing the film and with the advent of the AI technology and a good way of utilizing it is that the AI is able to program million different scenarios mm -hmm. with already predetermined actors and that now the viewer becomes like a co-star in that story. And that is ultimately is like, that's where I see this going, which is going to be incredible at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of really, really big things coming. So with Film 3 production, when you're actually filming and editing and putting all this together, what have you encountered as sort of the biggest roadblocks to actually getting a completed product out from, let's say, conception to actually minting it as an NFT on the blockchain? So we've self-funded the bill, right? And anything TV film is, it's not cheap. Yeah, of course. And what we were hoping for is one, to have enough people purchase the episode so that we can keep it going. Because I'm the CFO for Avante, so I do all of the accounting and stuff like that. And the way that it works for TV and film, like each project is its own thing. The money that you put into that project stays with that project to any uh, funds that is made off that project stays within the project. And so we had to pay all the people involved, but the project has made no money yeah. whatsoever. Because like it is still, in, it's, it's, it's in the red, yeah, right? It's, it's in debt right now. Yeah. And so one of the problems is what we ran into with the first couple episodes is the number one complaint was, why would I buy it if I can see it for free? And that was very, very difficult to hear. Yeah, because you're talking about lockable features onto it. Yeah, right. To us, it was um, something incredibly special that we have a completed project. Like we put all of our money into it, and this it's an asset that you own that you can do whatever you want with. But I do understand that perspective. So what we ended up doing with episode three is locking it. 
And the only way we could do that, because there is no unlockable feature on GameStop, was putting up a trailer. And if you bought the trailer and uh, connected your wallet in our Discord, you could have the episode that way. Which is not ideal, but that was just kind of what we had, right? Yeah, right. the workaround. That was our workaround. And did that with Desert. But at that point, yeah. no one really got behind us with it. You know what I mean? So like that episode, I think maybe 50 copies, 40 copies or something like that sold. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge barrier for something like this. If the majority of the mindset is, why would I buy it if I can see it? And it's the same as buying an, a piece of art, right? Yeah. Right. That's the whole. Yeah, right same like, yeah exactly. Yeah. You know, like you can still view a PFP NFT, but people still buy those, even though you can still look at them for free. Right. It's it's a matter of ownership. And there's a limited quantity of something that ownership becomes more valuable. Right. Like that's the whole thing behind NFTs to, to begin with. It kind of drives the market so yeah and it it wasn't something that we wanted to do right i would have loved to put the whole episode out there but since that was the only complaint we got it was like okay then i will give you what you want and it didn't work either but we did the same thing with desert terror right Mm -hmm. so we're the only ones that have a tv series out there now we're the only ones that have a short film out there and there were only like a few sold i think maybe 20 quote-unquote tickets to the movie sold yeah Unless you have worked on film sets or know the process, it becomes a kind of lost in translation, dealing with how much work actually goes into it for achieving a production value that you would see like Netflix or that sort of thing, right? And to that, with the cost of it, again, we're just not at a spot yet because we're so early where investors would feel, or let's say a production company would feel, we can back you putting like what? small number 250k into it right Mm -hmm. because they know there's a guarantee of it coming back to it so this is going to be very interesting in the next like year or two how this begins to happen with more filmmakers kind of coming on board into it but if they're not if we don't begin to tackle the smart contract situation yeah this is will or being able to show that it can be successful because we know it can be yeah. successful. It's just now, how do we show that it can be successful? Because again, Desert Terror, self-funded project, that project is in debt. Yes. And it's just, with Danny and I though, I never really worry about it at the same time, just because we always find ways to pivot and get solutions and find other ways to supplement the deficits, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would absolutely. totally agree. I would think one of the reasons why we work so well is that we're solution-based, solution-oriented coming into mm-hmm. it. And it's part of uh, the problem-solving. Uh, I think that we thoroughly enjoy it to it because there's a there's an easy transition of indie filmmakers trying to get a film made, right? Yeah. You're going to run any problems you're going to run into like you're doing it for Web3. The only difference is is really kind of thinking in terms of what this new technology can benefit for us. And most importantly, what the fans can get out of it more than if it would be like on YouTube, you know what I mean? Or that sort of thing, most independent filmmakers go in that route. Yeah. So, but I mean, like in moral of that story is like, they're like, we're not stopping. There's no way. No, not at all. No, no, we're creating history. We will find a way to keep Into the Veil going. Yeah. Right. Like we will find a way to keep Desert Terror going, stuff like that. Um, And and then all the other projects that we're also currently working on. Yes. And most importantly is really the, the goal with First Moon is to be really kind of showcase larger people, like obviously larger influential people of what we can do, but most importantly, what we've done on our own, but mm-hmm. the beautiful community that is a marketplace and all the incredible creators onto it, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see kind of what comes from more widespread adoption of Film 3. What, what would you say would make that easier? I mean, I know that you don't have you know, there's certain tools in the marketplace that we kind of would want that we don't have currently. Are there any kind of, you know, tools like that, that you, that you would find invaluable, but that maybe you don't have access to currently? One of the things would be if GameStop would do an unlockable feature. And it's funny because we've been talking to them, I guess for like a year now about it. And with all the different changes that the marketplace has gone through with the employees and people moving around Mm -hmm. and all that jazz, conversation has to start over and start over and then start over and start over again. Yeah. And they're already a very small staff and only have 
so many developers and they're still building out other things and it's, you know, what can be more important. Now, we don't want to go to another marketplace or anything like that. So we're doing the best that we can to work around it, like blocking episode three and Desert Terror in our Discord, right? As an example, we've thought about building out a website with a wallet reader yep. um, to access it that way. It's just for me, I it's disheartening because those solutions aren't what the marketplace is, right? Where it is an NFT. I've now taken it off the chain doing that. Well, have you guys thought about maybe doing it sort of, I don't want to say like following the meta in the normal film production, right? Where, you know, they release a trailer and hype everyone up and then get like a, a month long release that where you can go and you can watch it if you have a ticket and then you have to wait and then down the line, maybe, you know, you can buy it for yourself and rewatch it. Have you guys thought about doing anything like that where it's like a limited run and you can only watch it for a certain amount of time? We have thought about that. And one of the things that we're playing with right now is with Mystical Metaverse, right? Like you showed up to Valentine's Day with us. And that was one of our testers for doing something like that, where we can showcase the project in the metaverse, have a watch party and like games afterwards. And you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And have this event going on. And if you want to own the movie or the show or the episode or whatever it is, you can do it that way. So that's an example. It is. And it, it it's a good point to bring across because ultimately it gets to the point, okay, you do the trailer, limited release, and then if people want to buy it, they can to recoup in the cost. Yeah. And you're stuck at the same position all over again. Then, and the um, other thing too, would it have to be talking to GameStop about stuff like that, right? Because if, you know, when when we're putting things, as you know, on GameStop, well, it is exclusive to GameStop. Yeah. So how am I going to throw something up on YouTube for a month, take it down and then put it on GameStop? I don't know what we haven't had that conversation. I don't know if there would be open to that, but it would have to be a discussion that would need to be had with them, right? So it also takes the aspect of like GameStop is willing to see these problems as a legitimate problem to be solved and help to work with us into it. But again, it gets into that loss of translation unless you really work within the film industry, you're kind of keen to it. It's hard to get that across with people sometimes who understand the business models that go into it. They might have a gist onto it, but when you really get to it, it's just where GameStop's priorities may be or may not be. And there's nothing we can do about it. At the same time, we're doing is, you know, trying to create a solution in the metaverse. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So like that, that's kind of the, um, how I think that the next thing that we come out with and how I want to approach it, doing another watch party, mm -hmm. showcase the project and put it out on the marketplace, right? Maybe something like that. You know, it kind of sparked a question in my head. I, I'm, I'm wondering, do you, do you think it's more important to actually mint film three movies and episodes as NFTs themselves or merely mint, say, tickets or or associated NFTs for the TV or, or film that, that you've made, right? I mean, do you feel like film three is, it needs to actually be minted? I don't think it actually needs to be minted. It would be a bonus if it could be, right? Right. Well, yeah, I think everybody I, would agree there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but that's not, that technology is not available on GameStop. It's available in, I think, two other marketplaces, but we don't have that on GameStop just yet, which is why we have our current workaround right now. Right. No, that, that makes complete sense. And, you know, I know that um, being as early as we are and technically the, you know, the GameStop marketplace is still in beta, you know, hopefully we'll see some additional tools and some things come out to, to help support you all from a Film 3 perspective. Because, yeah, it sounds like you guys are, are, are kind of in a worse position than than most when it comes to actually uh, being able to put your work out there and you know control your ip instead of just throwing it up and and letting everyone who wants to see it see it right so there's yeah. definitely some considerations there that you have to you know that that for example myself I, I don't need to consider any of that kind of thing like i don't i don't have a need to really gate anything behind you know any specific nfts or anything like that i mean that that's something that we we're going to look at in the future but yeah, that's, that's something you guys require right out of the gate. So it's unfortunate that that doesn't exist on the marketplace right now. But yeah, hopefully we'll, that's something that we'll, we'll kind of see implemented down the line. 
Hopefully. Yeah, yeah definitely there's... agreed. But I mean, we're token gating it the best as we can. Yes. Yeah, we're absolutely doing the best that we can with that too. Yeah. So let's talk about actual production. So, so you all use top of the line cameras. Kind of walk us through what production is like for you all in making either an episode or, you know, Desert Terror. Okay. Uh, so plus uh, I know. I, mean, I know. Yeah, I know. It's quite a lot to kind of summarize, but it is. So here's the best way of going into it. So once we we'll get into the list as you use into the bell, uh, we will meet in the writer's room, kind of throw ideas around, and once we get a working script, we will then send it to the cast. And then also meet with our uh, director of photography and our sound engineer and get them in the hand so we know what it's going to take in post-production from our sound engineer's part. Our DP knows what we're kind of getting into. Then we have to secure the location where we're shooting at. And once we secure the location, we have to do a walkthrough and stuff for lighting purposes, camera movements, test the camera out, especially if we're using different setups on the camera, gags into it as well. Um, and then once we get into that, we have rehearsals on top of that as well. Then and there's all the scheduling. All the scheduling. Here. And then we have the paperwork. Absolutely the paperwork. And that's going for the cast members and the crew members on top of that as well. And we get to actual production. And with such a low, I would say, uh, low budget that we have, Lynn and I definitely wear like multiple hats on set without a doubt doing <laughs> that. So it does take a village to get this done. But, you know, days when we're shooting, we try to keep it very concise with people's schedules because the budget's so tight. So You have to break down what you're shooting at what time. And when it comes to, like, film and stuff like that, you don't film the way the script reads, right? Like, you could be filming scene 21 first. Yeah. And then scene two. And then scene four. Yes, that's right. So when you're working on the schedule, so you get the shooting schedule and you start breaking it down, what's going to be the easiest flow, maximizing your time on the same aspects for that. So yes, uh, films. Yeah, you have to take an account until like breaking down equipment to move from one room to the other room or one location to the other location, things of that nature too. So like scheduling is not fun. So this is <laughs> all organized. Yes. Yeah, so that takes a bit of time on that because you have to get the input from your DP also from locations. And if you have like wardrobe changes, gags, you have to make sure those are makeup, right, makeup hair. Fat. And then once you actually get to that, then you actually get to production. And then top of productions, you also have to make sure like our responsibility stuff from all the like snacks, drinks and everything we provide on top of that lunch, dinner, usually. Ensuring Again, everybody gets breaks. Well, yes, breaks within uh, the unions and stuff. So you're looking at anywhere 14 to 18 hour days shooting sometimes. And then we have to kind of work nicely with our crew saying like, we're going to be pulling long hours. And, you know, it's usually you want to give your crew and your cast at least eight hours turnaround time if you're nice and stuff. Or you're going to have very cranky individuals. We're lucky and fortunate enough that our cast and crew love working with us and love the show. So they're like, yeah, we'll totally do it. Like, not a problem. We love this. Writing's great. Everybody's got great energy. There's no egos. Everybody's, we all have the same common goal. And I guess that's something to bring up too, because if you start having individuals on set or people within your project that have their own personal goal and not the common goal, then that's what I said about political comes into it. And there's a lot of bureaucracy that kind of runs down that pipeline because where we're at compared to, let's say, First Moon, First Moon, when we get to that piece, we're talking to a three to six million dollar film. We're talking you need thinkable actors for at least two to three actors. And then you have to figure out what actor the valuation of that actor. Right. So actor X will guarantee one point five million dollars in theater sales. Right. Pre-sales. And that's how you're able to get your pre-sales and a company jump in to help finance on the same time. Then there's also the added uh, expense of COVID as well. Yes. So with the COVID regulations <laughs> on top of that. So for Into the Veil, once we get done with production, there is us sitting down with all the footage with the DP, piecing every single take from every single scene and choosing the best and putting a rough cut together, getting that on a quick turnaround. So our sound engineer probably at the same time is working on the audio Fully work. A lot of things you probably won't even realize are art and film that yeah. takes place. ADR, if we need it, um, most of the time as well, too. Every scene is shot multiple times yep, from yep. different angles. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
especially when you're going to like your standard master medium close-ups and yeah. for each like a master shot you know you can average five to ten takes and then you do that for your medium and close-ups and you have to go through all that footage keep track log it on the same time as well and this is before you even get to the final product or even marketing behind that as well too so in those days we're going through the footage depending on our other work stuff late 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 hours yeah so. and those are more 12 to 15 hour days yep. as well where you're just in the editing room watching over yep. and over and over and that's getting to like you know color correction uh there's a bunch of other stuff like technical stuff we don't really have to get into so it is a beast and you know from our crew casting crew you're talking maybe about 10 people first moon you're talking 150 200 people so there's a drastic and this is where and so, Desert Terror was bigger than Into the Veil, too. There was more people on Desert 25. Terror. Yeah, so we're about people on yeah, Desert 25 Terror. Desert Terror, and that's with mm-hmm. pyrotechnics, blink firing weapons, period pieces. You're shooting the elements, so you're up to the mercy the of The costumes nature. were custom made. Yes, the Jeep was custom built. Yep. At the same time, we built that out as well, too. So each project, it's its own beast, and that's why when we did Into the Veil, mm-hmm. and I was inspired by Afterlife from Ricky Gervais, on the simplicity of it, but still be able to tell a story and then pulling from inspiration from the office, always sunny in Philadelphia. You're like, okay, if we're nice. gonna do this, fit on web three. And most importantly, this won't totally break us in a full commitment, but give us enough wiggle room that we can pivot if we need to. Yeah. If we give a blueprint on a basis of the script. And then I, I don't know if that does help, but again, each project is its own separate beast. So, yeah, it's a lot of uh, moving parts to everything to make it all yes, go together. Yes, yes, um, absolutely. For someone who may want to get into film production, would you say that there's an easier path into film production in Film 3 and minting things on the blockchain like that? Or is the barrier to entry still really, really high because of the amount of people and the expertise involved? Yeah, there is no easy entry. If somebody wants to do it, they're going to have to make the commitment of knowing you have to put your own money in because no one will invest in you. Once you make that commitment, you have to be okay that you may not make that money back. Most likely. Most likely. I want to stress that uh, most likely you will not make your money back. So you don't make any money off of it. Yeah. So you have to be smart where you're, with your first projects and being simplistic and really, and I would advocate be more of a compelling storyteller yeah. of what you can do with it. Because the, the really rad part is that technology is catching up so rapidly that it's way easier for amateur filmmakers to do what they want to and experiment. But they have to understand, again, not make their money back into it, but basically you have to build a community to understand that and support that, you know, mm-hmm. with the marketplace mm-hmm. on the same time, which is also tough on the same aspect. Well, do you think, do you feel like AI is going to sort of lower the barrier to entry in film three and just film in general? Uh, I don't know if you've been following the tools that are available out there, but the video production and AI is, you know, kind of goes hand in hand. It seems like. It does. And that's a great question to bring up because I think there is a good balance with it. I think there's also an aspect that we all could be out of jobs in five years. (laughs) Five to 10 years as filmmakers, no, seriously, as filmmakers, where an AI can plug into a whole aspect of a script, shoot it, make it on its own, if we get to that point. But there's an aspect of AI can't tell a story as a human being can't, you know, because AI won't totally understand empathy, compassion, really those moral dilemmas that makes a good story compelling. All of the emotions that an actor can portray, right? Like there is something in, Danny does a really good job with this. He has these big, beautiful blue eyes and he can tell, he can showcase emotion so well with just his eyes alone. AI can't do that, right? Like AI can barely draw hands right now. You know what I mean? You know, that won't be a problem for much longer. I mean, there's sort of advancements in AI that are happening already that are fixing the finger issue and things like that. So I just need to say this really too, uh, really quick is that in post-production, but also real-time shooting, they took it from like what the Mandalorian did. And that's where I think you'll see a huge jump in I think production value. And I get really excited about that. Well, that also comes, you know, I feel like the Mandalorian that you brought up, they were able to do a lot of of the tricks that they use in filming of that by using Unreal Engine 5. 
is that something that you guys have looked into at all or sort of keeping oh, an eye on? on okay. Yeah, it's on our radar looking into it. Whatever we can do, because in our, basically our list for our projects, we're starting small, but our end goal is to really convey our episodic ones down the road, which is really going to be like the Legend of Sparta, Merlin, and then Project Saturn, which mm-hmm. are like our, our episodics, yeah, yeah, that is our target. And be able to work in balance with the technology and what you just stated with that, I think I think that becomes a realistic possibility with that. Instead of us being like, we can't go to we can't go to Athens to film this. Well, we can create Athens in the most realistic possibility. Whereas an actor, you can engage in that in real time instead mm-hmm. of like a green screen or just like a ball in front of you. And that's reacted. It's a paper with an X on it. Uh, okay, now get mad at it. Yeah, exactly. What? You know what I mean? So no, absolutely. I think as a director, I get really and an actor really excited about that possibility. All of the stuff in film three is just super exciting to see, you know, sort of how it's gonna be uh, adopted as the adoption of blockchain technology increases. So it looks like we have a couple of questions from the community here that uh, I want to I want to get through. Rivers has a couple of them. The first one he's asking, having seen the back end of movie production, what aspects of Web3 are going to have the biggest impact with traditional studios and what are they going to hate? <laughs> They're going to they're totally going to hate lack of control. Um that's the biggest thing. They We've already well, heard from I mean they they sort of survive off of uh IP and royalties and all that sort of, you know, that web yeah, of nonsense in well, Hollywood, right? Yeah, well, I mean, they survive on IPs, but then you can bring up the argument that they, they will not take a risk on original ideas at that point okay. because they're just revamping, right? Yeah. They're just. Well, we have seen a lot of that. In and they're going industry. to because, yeah, because they can't take a risk right now on anything new per se. So you're still going to see um, adaptations of cartoons into live action. You're going to see reboots like, God damn, so many of them. Mm-hmm. Starsky and Hutch. Oh, Starsky and Hutch. Hutch. They're remaking it again. Makes it a remake of a remake. remake. Yeah. A remake, basically. Yeah. So, like, why? Uh, Lord of the Rings. So, remaking Lord of the Rings. The films, Warner Brothers is going to be as well, too. So, that is going to be the biggest problem. But also, actors on the same time, like movie stars, we're at the end of the age of movie stars. They're not relevant anymore. They're not as prominent or, I guess, impactful in the same time. Yeah, I, in the, that's a good point. I feel like um, our last big movie star was like Liam Neeson, and he's almost dead. Our last big one is Tom Cruise and yeah, what he Tom did with Cruise. Maverick. Yeah, sure. yeah. He completely saved the industry because you know why? As much as I would say I disagree with Tom Cruise on some things, what he does and respect the hell out of him and his own stunts and being 60, he did it as what is. He respected the source material, which Hollywood does not respect yeah. the source Material. They implement their own agenda and their own, you could say, political message. All filmmakers and storytellers will do that, but if you don't honor the original source material, they're basically Hollywood is just eating already successful IPs, not honoring it, interjecting their own agenda, and wondering why fans aren't watching it and not making their money back. Tom Cruise is like, no, this is for you guys. This is for the fans. You're the reason I have a job. Well, I feel like there's sort of these sort of game-changing pieces of IP, right? Let's think of Game of Thrones or something that, that sort of changes how everyone's viewpoint on what is a good TV show or what is a good movie, right? You have a few of those every decade. And the vultures that, that are in that market just sort of bastardize it until it becomes something completely different and unrecognizable to what it started out as. Here's a great example, because this just happened. Ant-Man and Cocaine Bear. Yeah. Which said better in the weekend? Cocaine bear. Why? Because Ant-Man represents exactly where we're at in modern filmmaking with studios. Shoddy special effects, bad writers, and not so understanding bad. really what we're going with it. Cocaine bear? It's about a bear ingesting cocaine. That's <laughs> literally all it is. Hey, hey, hey. hey. It's, like, Lisa, it's at least that. a true story, okay? Yeah, it's a true story. It's entertaining, right? It's exciting. It's different. It's new. Yeah. uh, Right? Like the whole world got excited about it because it's not the same shit over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I meant about like sort of meta changing pieces uh, of film, right? I would consider James Gunn to be sort of a a revolutionary director um, in the fact that he sort of changed how. All movies were made when he when he came out with the original Guardians of the Galaxy, 
Like every single yeah. movie after that movie came out was trying to be that movie for the next probably five years or so. I would also say Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. Everybody wanted to be Peter Jackson and, and wanted to have that IP. Lord of the, so everybody was trying to rip it off or, or bastardize it in some way. I mean, do you feel like film three and blockchain technology is going to be able to stop that from happening? I don't be able to stop it, but I think I think there's opportunity to add value to entertainment, right? And create culture. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because what it is, is it's not some dude in an office telling me what I like. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, some old guy sitting in a theater with his friend just judging movies and writing down his opinion, right? Exactly. Yeah. We don't need that anymore. Or like Danny oh. said, right, like feeding us whatever political agenda they have. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is or being paid to have, more importantly. Right? Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. And that's the thing yes. with them, right? They oh, they're, Their number one objective is to make money. Like yes, their pockets aren't lined enough. What we want to do is tell great stories because that's who we are. We're storytellers. And we want to be part of a really great community and listen to the people who are watching the stories that we tell. Yeah. And I think I think we're, what we're about to see is kind of like a, we're, we're going to see two roads and they're going to parallel each other. You can have one that's still holding on to the old tradition filmmaking model studios, right? Other road, road is going to be us trailblazing it right now as other filmmakers begin to onboard, knowing the fact that the, the pond's smaller. But the gratification of working with the fans and the value of the product is greater. Oh, yeah. And that at some point, those will begin to they'll pivot. But it's so early right now. So I think Film 3, Web 3, all in, in, in finding a balance with uh, AI going into it can only help us as storytellers. But knowing that the pawns are going to be a little bit small for right now, but the value of the product of what we're getting from that is going to be so much better. Yeah, absolutely. At the same time. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's going to take time, but we'll we'll see a dual parallel between that and very much going to mimic the aspect of like our parallel economy that we're going to be going into the next like year that we're already starting to go into right now. Yeah. So, you know, we're sort of on a little bit of an uptrend in the market recently in the past few months. And I think people are, are starting to feel a little bit better about the outlook of blockchain technology and things like that as as more things are developed. Yeah, it's it's really exciting. I, I say this every week, but I, you know, I, everyone that I talk to makes me even more and more excited, and you know, shows me that we're absolutely super early, and we have nothing to worry about as far as the long term. Oh yeah, no, no we're absolutely yeah, we're absolutely early. But if you look at it from like a four D chess perspective, you know, we're exactly where we're supposed to be doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now with this aspect of film three and web three with that and be creating the de- decentralization and as this slogan goes empower the creator ultimately and that's what we want to do and like at the same time we get super jacked when we see creators doing really well in their art and, and it inspires us so much in building that community it's going to take time but that's okay that's totally fine because we're, we're creating history in a moment in time and that's just fucking awesome in general even if you guys do uh, decide to move on to something else in the future, I mean, you're still basically the first film three company on on the blockchain for Loopring, and so that's some, something major to say. Oh, well, we're sticking around. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah no, moving, going. moving yeah. on, right? So, like, one of the things we've uh, said it a few times, like Total Rewind is another project that we're working on that's going to be turned into a series where it's partially filmed right now. That'll be one of the projects coming up. Yeah, but. First moon, we're going to try because that is a bigger beast, is trying to find a way to intersect both worlds, right? The quote unquote kind of traditional, but still indie and Web3 and finding the beautiful balance with that one. And we're in pre-production. And also, um, so with that, you'll probably see what we are about to do, which is we'll be on Web3, Film3 and still within the traditional model and then be able to educate the the normies out there and hopefully start to bring into it, but be in both worlds at the same time. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So when you say educate, how do you plan to go about doing that? How do you plan to educate people in your industry to get them to, you know, adopt film three or or at least be um, open to the potential of what is to come? Well, I know one of the ways that we're going to do it is start with um, a YouTube and Rumble channel where we're going to have a series of videos just kind of come out where education is going to be a big portion of that. Yeah. 
And the other parts is uh, reaching out to our friends who uh, help run film festivals, looking to get on panels at film festivals as well right. to educate and also speaking at hopefully at film courses at universities. Mm-hmm. Me being an alum at the University of Kansas uh, for the film department, I know starting there, it's kind of a quick insertion with us, with people who we know, but starting from an educational, from young filmmakers, but also film festivals still give us the ability from the young and old to really begin to have that discussion. What does this look like? But we all need to come together to really begin that. And like we said, with the smart contracts, royalties and all that mm-hmm. um that's not even on the radar but god entertainment lawyer when i was talking to tyler he's just like i have no clue nobody's even talking about this right now so i don't even know how to answer these questions because there's no resources with it mm-hmm. so between the yeah youtube rumble looking at film festivals and also lecturing at university at film classes i mean that that is where I think it's a good starting place for us mm-hmm. to really kind of discuss. And it's doable and manageable with yes. with just life in general, right, for us. So that's okay. that's where we're starting. I love your optimism with that. It is doable and manageable. <laughs> with all the stuff we have going on. I know. I love it. No, I, I mean, mean, education uh, is hugely important. I mean, we definitely believe, you know, in the power of education. That's why we're, you know, we're sort of developing educational materials and courses and things like that on 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 our side as well. I mean, that's how we're going to get people in the short term to adopt blockchain technology, right? In long term, I feel like your grandma will be using blockchain technology in the next five years, even if she doesn't realize that's what it is. But in the short term, yeah. the next year, the next two years, right? If we want people to come in and realize what we've got and what, what, what the potential is, we're going to have to actually tell them about it. We've got one last uh, community question here. And it looks like Adam wants to know what your favorite production that you've ever worked on together so far. I don't know if he's talking, I don't think he's talking about, you know, film three specifically, just sort of the history of you all uh, working together. Totally. Yeah, you go first, love. I am, I'm totally going to be biased. I'm going to say Into the Veil just because that was the first project where Danny and I handled 90% of it together, plus both acted in it as well. So it was the biggest challenge in TV film. And it was exciting and it was scary and it was so much fun. So that was my favorite project to work with Danny on. 100% 100% into the veil because also the aspects are, I think it really showed our relationship. And because you don't realize also being a couple and doing this and being on set for 16 hours, you know, there's a lot of stress. There's, there's a, a lot that could go wrong, wrong. right? There's, there's, there's a huge land. Well, there's always something that will go wrong. I mean, that's a guarantee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. So it really flexes on the communication and understanding between each other as a couple, but really kind of leaning into each other and really growing from it. When people come on set with us, we're we're like kids on set because that's how much fun we have. Yeah. On it with and it, and it's a lot of work and we get really exhausted yeah, and don't. all of that stuff, but it is I, I wouldn't do this with anybody else but him. I just wouldn't. And I think for me directing and watching obviously you do your performance, but more just where where things are really kind of I think going in the expansion of just like with like AJ and Tarot and what your ideas with that as well too. And then <laughs> Also with like Dylan who plays Max, his ideas, and then Adam who plays Barb, um, their ideas. And just for me, it's incredibly grateful and lucky to have such an amazing cast and understanding. But yeah, working with you, it's great because our ideas were very open. You have no problem saying my idea is bad <laughs> if I think something because we're always reaching for the common goal. Yeah. And we bring out the best out of each other and stuff too. Mm-hmm. So that I'm internally grateful for. So would you say that if a couple can make it through filming a movie together, they can make it through anything? 100%. Two things. No freaking Louis. You want to test, you, yes, you want to test your relationship beyond, as, yes, being filmmakers or do a canoe as a couple. I cut you. It was like, well, canoeing? Yeah, it was canoeing. No, it was canoeing. It was canoeing. We yeah. did on the river. Yes. All right, w- which one of you tipped the canoe over? We didn't. We did not. We did not. Oh, okay. We did not. All right. That, that was not what I was expecting to hear. Yeah, yeah no. no. I was in the back directing, and Danny was in front, and it was uh, it was a challenge. I will tell you that. It was really funny because, like, the tour guide was like, this is where you're going to test your relationship. You have no idea how many people I've seen break up. And divorces <laughs> have been made. And I was like, what? Yes. And then we in the river, and I was like, okay, yeah, I totally see how that could happen. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So you got a couple moments to breathe 
realize the moment's going to pass. So yeah, if you want to test your relationship, those are the two best ways of doing it. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so Beardy uh, McHatface asks, looks like CyberCrew has NFTs to download additional content whenever you hold their NFT. And he's wondering if you guys have any plans to do something like similar to that, what we were talking about earlier for sort of, you know, gating the content. So, I mean, that's kind of how we have it in the Discord right now, right? Like the full episode of episode three of Into the Veil and Desert Terror um, in their own channels. If you have the trailers and you connect your wallet, you can go and download it. So is that is that through like Collabland? Is that how you have that gated off? Yeah. Correct. Okay, uh-huh. gotcha. Sorry, I probably mentioned that earlier, but yes, through Collabland. Yeah, so I, I've, I've heard a lot of people using that, and you know, I, I've not used it myself because there's not a, an easy way to go about doing one-of-ones. But yeah, you know, hopefully they'll they'll have you know a better system in place in the future, and you know I can do some of that fun stuff. But but yeah, that's really interesting. So we just we just hit the uh, sixty minute mark for the show. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and yep. uh, start wrapping things up. I do want to ask one more question for Lynn here about her amazing artwork that we haven't talked oh, about yeah. yet. Yes. So and then we have the as well too. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. I want to get to that. But um, so let's touch on the artwork here real quick before we get to your announcement. Tell us about this art and sort of how you guys started making two D art. Is this something that you've done for a while? I've always been a doodler, a sketcher, and a drawer, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, right? Like the whole, like um, growing up as a kid. There's a term for I'm, that. I'm not... It's called uh, an artist. Well played. Well played. I know. I just, I get really weird. Um, but so I've, I've always done it. And it was funny because even on the Ape News Network, I did all of the doodles for that show too. And... It's just something I've always done. I just never did anything with it. And with this, it gave me the opportunity to kind of break out of my shell and pursue something that I love doing on my free time or if I was in a pointless meeting in day job and would just start not taking notes, but drawing and stuff like that. You know, I will say that's definitely a problem that we have in society, that people who have an artistic passion, a lot of times it's stifled by their their nine to five job or their yeah. their, their life awesome. that doesn't allow them to do it. Right. And our society is not set up really to support artists. Unfortunately, that's why our community is so, that's why it's so important to support NFT creators. If for no other reason than that alone. So yeah, I've, I've heard that a lot. You know, I've heard like, Oh, I've always doodled. I've always liked art. I've always liked this and that. And I've never really been able to do it professionally because it's not really feasible in our society to be an artist unless you're, yeah like Basquiat or something, then maybe, but it's definitely difficult for artists in normal society. Why, you know, NFTs are so important. Sorry, it's my, Agreed. It's my no. mini rant over. Sorry. Says <laughs> no, the artist. Says artist. Yes. I, get, I can feel that frustration coming off you. Yeah, yes. you know, I, <laughs> yeah, it comes out sometimes. You can't help it, right? No, I totally agree. So this 2D stuff, I really like this. What are your plans for this in the long term? Is this going to be sort of intertwined with the film three in any way or is this completely separate my art yes i don't know i i noodle a lot of ideas in my brain (laughs) and it takes me a while to express those ideas so being on gamestop right like the initial thing was was putting our tv film out there and then it took a while for me to be like hey danny so what do you think about me doing art again and putting it out there. And he's always very, very supportive of anything that I bring up to him. But I have like imposter syndrome, right? Where I'm just like, my ideas are good. So it takes a while for me to even express what I'm thinking. I have to noodle it for a while and then move forward with it and stuff like that. So like I have ideas of where I want it to go and I want to start pushing myself into doing like taking my ninjas and making them into 3D ninjas, right? My my Satsudanzi collection. Mm-hmm. And of course, right, like most art artists, it's, it's based off of something in your life. And I wanted to start working with her because I study ninjutsu and my sensei gave me the name Satsudanzi. And so like there for like a long while, I was like, oh, I want to I want to draw her. I want to create her. I have an idea for her and stuff like that. And then I eventually want to take her and 
make her into a 3D asset where anybody could use her for anything and stuff like that. But I, I feel like just kind of we all grow with our art. And then plus I have that whole, but I don't know if I can do it, but I'll just jump in and try and make my mistakes and keep going. So like there are ideas that I have that I in where I want to grow my art. But of course, we already have so much on our plates. It, it's hard to to also do everything we want to do. I completely understand that. I mean, as an artist and someone who has to kind of do everything in the NFT space, kind of have to wear multiple hats like you did filming in, in film three with your TV show, right? You have to you have to do multiple things. You have to run your own Discord. You have to create the art. You have to actually market your own art, list it for sale, figure out pricing structures, right? I mean, it's a whole business model that people don't really understand oh, yeah. when they get into it, right? And, you know, unfortunately, why you see some projects that don't really stay around for too long, but because, you know, people get in, they realize how much work it actually is. So, so I completely understand. I understand that it's something that you're passionate about, and I would very much encourage you to continue it and see where it goes. Because like you said, I mean, there's no there's no harm in putting things out there, letting your community enjoy it and sort of seeing where it goes in the long term. Look at that. That's great. Everything I say to you. <laughs> Almost on a regular basis. Absolutely. That's awesome. I appreciate you saying that to her. Yes. So, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely believe that. There's no harm in that. And I would love to see more of this stuff come out from you because you're you're such a, a vibrant personality in the, in the community. And I know that everyone would love to see more of this. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap up the show here. I know that you guys had one last thing that you wanted to talk about. So I'll go ahead and kind of turn the floor over to you for whatever it is that you might have for the community here. Awesome. Yeah, so we would like to announce that as a addition from uh, presenting the first TV live action series to a short film that we are going to be presenting. The first ever documentary on the blockchain. Yes, and so the documentary is going to be called Vikings of Jansburg. And this documentary, which is it's awesome because it's an incredible insight into the subculture of actual Vikings in today's age within England and finally ending up in Poland as well. And we get to see over 600 warriors come together and battle as they would have done in the Vikings era as well, too. It's a fabulous. Um, it's from the director who did Desert Terror. So that is going to be coming out very shortly. So it's, a, it's absolutely fabulous. If anything, it's an incredible just insight into the culture of these hardcore LARPers. <laughs> At the yeah. same time. And we are so excited that we got to announce it here with you because we were trying to figure out when we were going to make the announcement of the first documentary ever. Yes. And so in, in hopes with this is also showcasing that potentially documentary films could be one of ability for people to be able to make that transition as amateur filmmakers and make it easier because of the cost aspect of shooting a documentary film is incredibly different than shooting a feature film on that as well, too. So that's why I kind of I see that film three to kind of be able to put their footprint is going to be going into shorts and also potentially documentaries. And then you kind of get into, I would say, that kind of realm that makes it easier for them. So we'll see. But yeah, freaking excited about this. And yeah, that's huge. Yeah, first first film myself, three documentary. Yes. Yeah. So you said there's going to be reenactments in this? No, these are no, these are real Viking fighters, real shields, real swords. They're blunted. But they are hitting like it's steel on steel. steel. Like yeah. it's 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 yeah, real. It's not like larping. It's real fighting. Yes. Wow. Okay. Now I'm excited. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and they sit around in their camps and they drink just like in the old days and eat and talk about the old stories. But it's modern time. It's today's age that these individuals still still, still around. They still do what they do and keep the culture going. Which yeah. I think it's absolutely beautiful and they're hardcore because they're actually legit in full. Uh, I'm looking for a word. Mesh. No, it's not that. Uh, the chainmail. No, thank you. Yeah. Yes. I'm like cheap. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, there's injuries, there's broken bones and stuff during this. Blood is spilled. So yeah, we'll be making an announcement on our Twitter and everything like that. That'll be coming very shortly. So we're releasing like the trailer and like all that other jazz. Yeah, right. That's going to be my next question: Is when can I see more? Because uh, yeah, you got me excited. I want to see what this is all about. Oh, yeah. So do you have a date for when you're dropping the trailer? Can people kind of mark their calendars? What could they expect? I sure do not have a date. Was it Monday? Is that what we said? We said Monday, but we might, depending on how much we push, it could be. I love because now we're talking real time talk right now. I know, right? This, this is great. 
Because we just got the word today, literally probably maybe like three hours ago that we were to go on this. Yeah. So hopefully next week. It will happen next week. There you go. Yes, next awesome. week. Awesome. Well, I, yes, I, so I'm super excited for that, and I can't wait to watch it. Are, are you going to be doing the same way that you released you know, the, the other movie where you sort of released the trailer yes. and gated into, in Discord? Yep, it's yep, going to yep. be the same thing. Okay. Yep, same process with that Perfect. for right now. And. You know, when you release the trailer, will you be minting it that same day or will you be just uh, releasing it for people to see? So the plan is to release snippets of it and yeah. then the trailer. Okay, perfect. I have to tease you a little bit. No, yeah, of. absolutely. Like, yeah, you can't uh, give give away the whole pie at once, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah. No, no. No, it's, it's really exciting. I can't wait to see... I can't wait to see a little bit of the trailer and be able to see that whole thing once it actually comes out. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. I really appreciate you all coming on the show. It's been a blast talking to you about Film 3 and video production on for the blockchain, all your passions as artists and your history together. You know, I've had a great, great time talking with you. I really appreciate you both coming on the show. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So excited for this. It's, been, it's really been a great time. I have... You know, honestly, uh, I've, I've been saying this a lot lately when guests come on, and and you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm becoming more passionate about Web three or if I'm just having some amazing guests on, but I find myself going over time and you know not getting to the questions that I had planned to ask, which I, I still have half a page of questions that I had write, written out, you know that Got that it. I was going to fall back on if uh, our conversation was slow. But yeah, I part two bring back. Yeah, I, I never got to any of them, so. Uh, it, it may be in the future that we have to have guests on more than once. I'm seeing, you know, sort of a pattern growing that uh, is leading me toward doing that. So maybe once you got, once you guys are actually getting ready to release the the whole movie, maybe we can sort of have you back on for a chat or have you on one of our other podcasts. We have a couple other podcasts running as well that we can kind of. Oh, get. we would we would absolutely love to. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think there's really good discussion to have, and it's going to take the kind of you know community to help guide this new process yeah. into Web three, Film three, at the same time. Yeah. And we're here for it. So yeah, we've had a blast. I hope people got something from this. I hope a little bit of education and then our fun awkwardness. I know. Um, so you guys have been great. And I know the community had a great time. And I guess if you guys don't have anything else, we'll go ahead and uh, sign off and end it here. Thank you so much for having us. Yes, thank you so much.